0: Okay folks, this week's returning guest was on our show in the last off-season. Delighted to have him back on to discuss what has been, quite frankly, a crazy off-season to date. Guy that had a seven-year NFL career from 2001, 2007. Nowadays, very well known across the NFL world online for his great podcast, the Ross Tucker football podcast covering NFL games from a betting perspective with the Even Money podcast. Does Westwood one as well, among many other things. Check out Tucker.com for his podcast as well. At Ross Tucker NFL, Ross Tucker, a very, very warm welcome back onto the show. How are you, man?
1: I am awesome. What's up, dudes? I love being on in Ireland. Love talking to you guys. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I, I've never been to Ireland, but I really, really want to go. That that's on the list. I can assure you.
0: Ross, you look like I think you know from, from from the outside. You look like one of the busiest guys in football. Like you're doing something every weekend, whether it's commentating. It never stops for you. I. You must be surprised at how crazy this offseason has been because, you know, it it can always get a bit mental, but
1: the last few weeks and months have just been crazy, yeah? You know what? It really has. And I don't remember other offseasons being like this. I, I think a lot of it is the impact we've seen of Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford the last two years. You know, the last two years teams made bold quarterback moves you know the the bucks found a way to get Brady the Rams made the big trade for Stafford and they won the Super Bowl I mean they won the whole thing right so now what you're seeing is more teams willing to do whatever it takes to try to get the quarterback that they think can be a difference maker to get them the Super Bowl and more quarterbacks willing to sort of exert their influence a little bit and say they want out. I mean, it was very clear Russell Wilson wanted out of Seattle. It was pretty obvious that Brady wanted out of New England at the end. You know, Stafford had told Detroit he wanted to leave. So we're just seeing more quarterback movement than we ever used to. You know, before, if the guy was a pretty good quarterback, he kind of was with that team forever, or at least with that team till the team said we don't want him anymore. That's not the case. Detroit would have still wanted Stafford. Seattle would have still wanted Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, the Patriots on some level would have still wanted Brady. And they wanted him on the cheap because that's Belichick. But what are you going to do? Um, so it, it's things are changing. And I think it was quarterbacks the last couple of years. Now it's sort of expanding to other positions. Obviously the most notable one this year, this offseason, being wide receiver.
2: Ross, in honor of welcoming you back to the show and, and show me your beer, I'll say slant to, uh, to you to, to have you back on. And I suppose piggybacking a little bit on that, um, the offseason moves and one of your former teams um, brought in the Deshaun Watson. And I know you've discussed this with Schefter on, on your own uh, Ross Tucker football co- podcast and with Andrew Brandt as well. I'm just interested in, uh, you know, kind of something you talked a little bit about with with Schefter was around Baker Mayfield. And obviously, we've now had the voluntary camp. Baker didn't show up. I'm just interested because obviously, look, this is Deshaun's team. But as Andrew says, he could be facing uh, a lengthy suspension. We don't know. They brought uh, Jacoby Brissett in as the backup, you would imagine. But in terms of Baker and where he goes... Um, by not sitting out, he kind of makes life a little bit easy for the Browns, right? Because it's still Deshaun's team. Deshaun gets to run everything. I suppose he, he equally he doesn't put himself in harm's way. Is somebody at some point going to step up and and pay the the eighteen point eight
1: million for for Baker? Definitely not. Nope. He's going to end up being traded, and it's going to end up being Seattle or Carolina all they're doing right now is playing a leverage game, playing chicken, whatever you want to call it, with the amount of money that each side's going to pay. So there was a recent report that Carolina said, "Hey, we'll pay, we'll pay Baker 6 million and give you a draft choice. You got to pay the other 12.8." And Cleveland said, "Nah, we can get a better deal than that." So, it's going to happen. Right now, I don't know if it'll be Seattle or Carolina, but it's going to happen that Baker Mayfield gets traded. And because Cleveland, it does them no good to cut them and not get anything back and still pay them $18 million. Right? That doesn't help them because it's fully guaranteed. So essentially what's going to happen is the Browns are really going to be paying for a draft choice. And it's, it's a matter of how much they're going to pay to get what draft choice for Baker Mayfield. So, my guess is if Carolina already offered six, you know, maybe they meet more in the middle. Maybe Carolina, maybe uh, Carolina ends up paying 10 and Cleveland pays 8.8 or Seattle. I don't know which one it is, but eventually that it feels like that's going to happen. I think both sides just think that they have. The power position, the negotiation, right? Carolina says, "Well, you don't want that guy at training camp. That'd be a mess. You're not gonna, sh- you're not gonna show up the training camp and let Baker be there." And Cleveland saying, "Well, you're not gonna start Sam Darnold again. You know, Matt rules on the hot seat. You need Baker Mayfield." So, little game of uh, chicken being played, and I think it'll get sorted out eventually.
3: Ross, the last couple of years, offensive line in particular is getting more scrutiny. I think it's been recognised how important it is whilst it's a quarterback-driven league. I mean, we saw the Chiefs lose to the Bucks and, and essentially rip up that offensive line the next season. Steelers did it. Russell Wilson complained that he was getting no protection. Four, four draft picks in the top 40 in 2020 this year, three in the top 10. The three this year in particular, Neil Aquanu, Ross, from your experience having played offensive line, where do you... Where, where you Was it consistent where you thought they'd go, and who do you think is the standout of the tree?
1: I think they probably went about where I thought they'd go. Kenyon Green going 15 to the Texans was probably a little bit higher than I thought he would go. I didn't quite understand the Seattle Seahawks drafting a pass-blocking left tackle in the first round, a pass-blocking right tackle in the third round, and a running back in the second round to run the ball more. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. We know Seattle wants to run the ball. I don't really understand why they took two pass-blocking offensive tackles. I think Equanu and Evan Neal are really good players. I think Evan Neal is probably the safer player from a pass-blocking standpoint. We all have our natural biases in life, right? Biases, biases, I don't know. Anyway, I think they both work. Mine is I like physicality. I like people that are physically trying to punish the guy they're going against. I mean, let me let you guys in and everybody in Ireland on a little secret blocking people's not really fun. Trying to kick somebody's ass, trying to physically punish them, smash them into the ground, trying to hurt, not injure, trying to hurt them. That's fun. That's the joy I derived from the sport. Like, it was nice when a guy scored a touchdown. That was satisfying. I felt some – some self, but what I really enjoyed was hitting another human being as hard as I can and, like, feeling their breath come out of their chest a little bit or just when you pancake them, just feel like, like the deflation. Like, oh. You know, that, that – I don't know. I think sometimes people are afraid to admit – that that's what you like about the sport why i mean that, that's why so many people play when you're younger i don't know why it goes back thousands of years but men like to run into another man as hard as they can and knock them over it's hilarious for some reason it feels good i don't know it just does and i think it's okay to admit that it's like a primal Barbaric thing? I don't know why. Why do guys get in fights? I mean, I'm not going to stereotype anything, but I'm sure you guys have seen some fights outside of pubs in your life. I mean, geez, you're in Ireland, right? Like, it's fun. Like, why is it when there's a fight, it's amazingly entertaining to be as close as you can and watch them punch each other? It's amazing, right? Like, we like watching that. Well, I'm one of the people that liked actually doing it. I like being the one fighting. I like being the one hitting. And I miss that. And I don't even remember your question, but I know that (laughs) Equanu is a fighter and he's going to try to pancake people. And this is the type of stuff we talk about on the Ross Tucker Football podcast. Oh, by the way, let me forget this before I forget. You guys like to bet, right? In Ireland? We do. Colin, in particular, loves to know (laughs) a bet. Okay. Even Money Podcast. That's the betting one. If you like betting on the NFL, it's the Even Money Podcast. We have crushed it over the last five years. My co-host is a professional better who was up like 70 units last year. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that one. You got to know your audience. I was pretty confident that people in Ireland like the bet.
0: Definitely check that out, folks. I know I'll be checking out that out. I know Brian Ross loves a little flutter on the NFL, so he'll definitely be checking that out. In the season, which you're talking about, you know, why you love And have loved playing the game ross and even watching the game we're now under 100 days away from the season as this show goes out one of your former teams the bills had a really obviously tough loss in the playoffs last year they've had some changes in regards to coaching in this off season they start in under 100 days now in la against the rams you're talking about betting they're the bookies favorites for the super bowl this coming season at least here Do you see them falling into like a win-now category, almost NBA style, like Rams style? They need to try and win it now. This is their window. Or do you think they may look at it in a
1: more long-term view? Well, I'm a little bit nervous for them. I have my greatest affinity of all the teams I play for is the Buffalo Bills. So I played for Washington, the Dallas Cowboys, the Bills, the Browns, the Patriots. But Buffalo was my favorite. You know, I played the most there. I made the most money. Uh, I, I I made the best relationships. It was just awesome. But it makes me a little bit nervous how everybody's saying they're the best team. Everybody's saying they're the favorites. Everybody. It's making me a little bit nervous. You know, if we learned anything from last year's postseason, it's hard. You know I mean? Like, I'm sure they'll be in the playoffs, but it's hard to win those three or four playoff games and win the Super Bowl. I mean, think about every game. The Bengals barely beat the Raiders in the wild card. Then the Titans-Bengals. I mean, every game was close. Seemingly, every game could go either way. So ultimately, what you really need, I think, is to be in the mix every year. And then like the Chiefs, some years you'll get over the hump. You'll get to the Super Bowl. Maybe one year you'll win it. Other years you won't. I mean, I called that bucks rams game where tom brady and the bucks came all the way back and then stafford made that incredible throw to cup for the rams to still win it but that could have easily been the bucks winning that one and then history changes again for stafford and brady and everything so i definitely think the bills will be in the mix but i think they'll be in the mix the next few years however you know they've got a lot of stud players in their prime they need to get there sooner rather than later. You know, I mean, this will be a couple years ago. They had a good opportunity, and they weren't able to get done the AFC Championship game this past year. You know, I don't still don't know how they lost that game, in the divisional round. What they need to do is not lose to the Jaguars in the regular season so that they have to play these games on the road. They got to take care of business, and they got to win and get home field advantage. I do not. Expect anybody to go into Buffalo and win a playoff game. That place will be a madhouse. You know, I went to the last three Buffalo home playoff games. I called those games on the radio. Incredible. I mean, those people incredible. They're like uh, they're like Ireland spirit animals. Okay, when it comes to their fandom, it was like a U two concert in Dublin or something. By the way, is yeah. that like a, is that like a huge cliche? Was that really lame that I just uh, said that or is that yeah. something you guys appreciate? I'm I'm, uh,
2: I think, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's a fair comparison. I mean, we'd love to welcome Bill's mafia to uh, to Dublin. I'd say it'll be it'll be good crack uh, Ross, I suppose alongside your own um, podcasts and alongside uh, tweeting, you are a, a guest on, on this podcast, but also on The Rich Eisen Show. Uh, we've had Rich join us. And a few weeks back, uh, you talked about the Saints on Rich's Show, and immediately some uh, some Saints fans uh, memified you and uh, put your quotes onto various uh, pictures on, on Twitter. Um, you, you said, you know, you, you have some concerns around the Saints and, you know, being without Sean Payton and Jameis and maybe that, you know, they they think that they're a little bit better than they really are. I'm wondering, are there other teams uh, around the league that maybe you think are a little bit overhyped or maybe fans are expecting a little bit too much out of teams this year?
1: Um yeah i mean the saints are a big one and here's the thing that's so interesting to me about the saints you know i think they'll be like an eight or nine win team maybe 10. i think they're around 500. and their season win total you know for people that we talk about on the even money betting podcast is eight it's eight i actually think they'll probably win nine maybe ten My point was, with all the moves the Saints are making, you know, Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew and trading up with the Eagles to get that first round pick and trading up again with Washington to get Olave, it feels like the Saints feel like they're like a Super Bowl contender. You know, it feels like they're pushing to be a Super Bowl contender and I just don't see that. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. The most important two factors in a team winning the Super Bowl are probably head coach and quarterback. Saints have serious, serious questions at both. Dennis Allen was not too hot his first stint with the Raiders. And by the way, the Saints fans, that get all mad at me. It's like, wait a minute. Aren't you the same guys that think Sean Payton's a Hall of Fame coach? So... You lost your Hall of Fame coach, but you're gonna act like that means nothing. You can't have it both ways. You can't say Sean Payton's Hall of Fame coach and then also say ah, oh, it doesn't matter. He, he didn't care anymore anyway. Like no, doesn't work that way. Logic. I took logic at Princeton University, Philosophy 201, my only B minus. I remember. Doesn't work that way. And and then Jameis, who knows? I, I mean, he he played pretty well last year. But I'll believe that Jameis leads a team deep into the playoffs when I see it. So I think they'll be fine. I think they might even make the playoffs. I just – I believe they're operating like a team that thinks they have a chance to win the championship, uh, and they don't.
3: Ross, you spoke with the chess game that is going on between Baker and potentially the Panthers and Browns. I suppose another quarterback situation, Jimmy G. Uh, when John Lynch was at the combine in February, he was very relaxed about the whole situation. He said that Jimmy G. will get traded and trade answers is our quarterback for the long term. Over the month, as the months have progressed, there's kind of mixed. Uh, I suppose mixed views coming out as to whether trade Lance is good enough to start immediately come the new season. Do you, do you see a scenario where Jimmy G. could potentially be, still be there with this kind of injury that he's? I suppose he hasn't got over the uh, the operation
1: as yet. No. I don't I don't see a situation where he's there because of his salary. In fact, I think they'd probably cut him rather than have him on the books for that salary. I just don't I don't see that happening. I do think there will be interest in a trade for him, and I do think they'll be able to trade him. I think the interesting thing about that is just that is just his his salary and what that ends up being. Um, nobody really knows. I think that's the other reason, by the way, that Carolina feels like getting back to our initial conversation about Baker Mayfield. I think that's the other reason that the Niners or that the Carolina Panthers feel like they can sort of slow play it. I don't think they believe that Jimmy G would get traded to Seattle. So I think Carolina thinks that they can maybe leverage the Niners against the Browns to get the better of the deal on Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield. That's kind of how I look at it.
0: Last round of questions, Ross. Been very generous for your time. Uh, Look, as a man that does many different things, including commentary, especially commentary, how shocked were you whenever you seen the Tom Brady contract? Was it three hundred and seventy-five million dollars for ten years? This is this is crazy money, yeah. And like like, I mean, for a guy we haven't seen yet in the booth, but it really sets a new president. Like, I mean, at this at this point now, Ross, it's just crazy stuff.
1: Yeah. So as a guy that calls games, I'm always a little conflicted with these because. I also have three small businesses, right? Including the podcast business. I don't really... I don't think people tune into a game or not based on who the announcer is. I think they tune into a game or not because of who the teams are that are playing. So I think on on the one hand, it's hard for me to justify that much money if it's not bringing in more ratings, right? And more money. On the other hand... It's good for me, right? Like, the more money you raise the guys at the top, the more money the next guys will get, and then the guys after that, and I don't even know where I am on the ladder, but I'm somewhere on the ladder, so hopefully, the, like, the rising tide rises all boats or whatever, right? So uh, I think that's good for me. Um, I think the, interesting, the most interesting one is, in fact, Brady because Romo... He was being paid after he had done it for a while. Aikman, he was being paid after he'd done it for a while. We can still have that same discussion, but at least those networks saw those guys perform and felt like they were worth that amount. What if Brady stinks? You know, like what if he's not good? That would not be good for Fox um, at all if, if the contract terms are true. So I think he'll be pretty good, but you know, so much of it is just a natural personality and Tom's always pretty buttoned up. I'll be really curious to see what he's like in that role. I mean, I know he'll be prepared, that's for sure. But I'll be curious to see what he's like in that role. It'll it'll certainly be interesting. And
2: um, as you mentioned earlier, you have uh, an affiliation, I suppose, with the NFC East, having played for the Commanders and the Cowboys. And you do a lot of work with the, the Eagles for Westwood One. And um, it's been quite the off season for the the Eagles and uh, Philadelphia is a city dear to to my heart. But all of us, I think, agreed on the the show recently that the the Eagles are favorites for the the division. We felt. I suppose I'm wondering,
1: would that be your opinion as well? I would say co-favorites with the Cowboys. You know, there was a decent separation between the two last year. thought that the Cowboys were clearly better. So, I think the Eagles have gotten a little bit better. I think the Cowboys have gotten a little bit worse. I think they're both probably about 10 win teams, would be my guess.
3: Rob, the Dolphins have made a lot of moves this offseason. We touched on the Bills earlier, and the Jets whilst they're in a bit of a rebuild seem to be moving in the right direction. The Patriots, everybody's talking about Mac Jones this offseason. He's doing this, he's doing that. Are you concerned for the Patriots this year? You know, they got such a, a going over in that, in that playoff game against the Bills. How will they react? Are, are they going quietly about their business? But they be a strong side again this year?
1: I think they'll be about what they were last year. I, I don't really see a whole lot of improvement. Uh, their draft was curious to me. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on from Shaq Mason, I don't see the major improvement. I don't think they're as good as Buffalo. I, I, I know they're not as good as Buffalo. I'm not sure they're as good as Miami. You know, I I think it's another 500 year for the Patriots. I think it's maybe the playoffs, but I don't know. I mean, look up how many playoff wins Bill Belichick has without Tom Brady. It's not real good.
0: I love it, Ross. And folks, if you want to hear more of Ross, you can listen to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money Podcast. Check out uh, at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter. Ross, massively appreciate your time. Uh, Hopefully, chat to you again soon.
1: Absolutely. Have me on anytime, guys. Thank you so much. Had a blast. I'm glad we were able to make this happen.